Hello and welcome to Nintendo Nostalgia episode 172. I'm your host Ryan Black and I am joined by my co-host Joshua Taylor and we are back and we are playing with power. Josh, how are you doing this week? I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? I am good. I'm in good health and I am happy. I took a nap today. It was great. <laughs> nice. So uh, anything new with you? Uh, nope. Uh, pretty much the same old, same old. Um, for however many weeks now we've all been stuck at home, things <laughs> haven't changed too much. I mean, I, I very much wish this situation would change for everybody that's more negatively impacted by it. Um, but, you know, from from my little house here, it hasn't been too bad. Um, it's been kind of peaceful, I guess. Yeah, I noticed you're getting a bit of a mountain man beard. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is I guess is pretty fitting. My my head hair does not look so hot, so that's why I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. So we have a guest with us this week. Uh, our guest, uh, Chris Warren. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. It's good to have you on. Uh, you reached out to Nintendo Village. I believe it was Gary that you reached out to and said, "Hey, I want to be on the show and, and you know be a part of the the NOS uh, hangouts and everything and and uh, maybe even sometime be a part of the team." So we figured we'd have you on and audition. <laughs> welcome. No pressure at all. No pressure. No. <laughs> Yeah, I've been, like I mentioned uh, not too long ago, we spoke before we started recording, but um, yeah, I've been listening to you guys for a little less than a year, but um, I love what you guys do and happy to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, glad to have you on here. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, this is the part of the show where we start uh, raving about what we love. So let's get into what we are radical rexing about. All right, so you are our guest, so go ahead and kick us off. What What is something that has got you really, really excited lately? Uh, maybe something you've been playing. It uh, doesn't have to be video games, but just let us know. Sure. Um, so in the past week, um, I, I still have been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, but um, my, my playing has been a little less frequent. Um, I've just been very busy, so... Um, I have been listening to podcasts while playing Animal Crossing, so that's really fun. Uh, otherwise, some like quarantine games I've been playing are like Ring Ring Fit Adventure. I got yeah. very lucky and uh, got a copy of that before uh, things started to get a little crazy with the stock. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Uh, have you guys played Ring Fit Adventure? I have. Um, I took it over to Josh's, and he played it for a little bit uh, when I visited him. Um, but I need to get back to it. It's, I could do, I was doing it at work. Um, I have an old Victorian and you can hear sound travels really easily. So me like running in place or something on like, you know, those, those types of wooden floors and stuff, just, I'm worried it's going to carry and cause a bunch of noise. Um, I'm going to try setting it up up here in the attic and see if I can do that without making too much of a racket, but yeah. uh, I need to get back to that and get, get fit. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I have to say it's a really impressive game like the the type of technology that they've been able to incorporate into such a game is really impressive so uh, looking forward to unlocking more things and seeing more of what the game has to offer and uh, otherwise uh, I've been playing uh, I've been tackling my backlog so if you guys are familiar with the DS game uh, Henry Hatsworth and the Puzzling Adventure uh, mm -hmm. have you have you played that before or heard of it? No. Oh, really? Okay. It's um, it's a really good platformer, and 
what's interesting about it is on the top screen is you're, you're looking at the platform dimension is what they call it and on the bottom screen is the puzzle dimension so okay. there's two things happening at the same time kind of and the better that you do on in the puzzle dimension on the bottom screen the better items and things you can get in the platform dimension so it's a very interesting kooky game and lots of great music and uh, boss battles so something to look into if you haven't played it before yeah. kind of reminds me of the split screen action of world ends with you, you kind of yes do, like, puzzle solving stuff on the top and then like do the swiping and stuff on the bottom so yeah exactly what's good about it though is that both things aren't happening at the same time okay. you kind of alternate between platforming and then doing a puzzle and then you know switch back to the platforming so mm -hmm. uh it's not overwhelming but mm -hmm. uh it's a very odd game we'll probably never <laughs> get anything like it again so awesome. uh, yeah yeah and uh besides that um i i'm in the middle of applying for my master's degree so uh been very stressed about it but also very excited so Awesome. What are you uh, aiming for? Uh, I'm going to try to go for my um, my degree in environmental and occupational health at Rutgers. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Josh, what are you actually about? Well, um, I guess with this time, I've, I've been spending a lot of time with my wife and my daughter, so that's great. Um, from a gaming perspective side of it, I've been taking advantage of this time home probably more than I should be, considering I could probably be doing a few more useful things here and there. But, um, of course, near the beginning of the quarantine, I don't know, maybe a week into it or so. Well, since I've been stuck at home is when Animal Crossing came out. And uh, I'd gotten Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal on the same day. And, uh, and I've, I've loved both of those. I've played Animal Crossing every day. Doom just about when I get a chance, I have to wait for the little one to be in bed. But, um, but yeah, Animal Crossing, I've put, it, it's, believe it or not, um, it's already my second most played Switch game. And if you look at my list of games on there, it's saying something. Um, it's only behind Smash Brothers. Um, so that one's got a lot of time into it. Along with that, I've just been hopping from game to game, honestly. I've played Ty. Tasmanian Tiger did a review on that. Um, I jumped straight into Hat and Tom. Um, I'm playing Ori, the new Ori and the Will of the Wisp through Game Pass. Uh, what else? There was something else I goofed off on. Um, just bouncing around, taking advantage of the time a little bit. How many hours into Animal Crossing are you? I'm almost ashamed to say. <laughs> um, That's without giving away all my secrets, um, and it might have crossed the 200 hour mark but wow. but not not all of that is me like hardcore playing so like, i would say a handful of that is it being on while i'm doing something else so that's all i'll say about that part but but yeah <laughs> so it, it's it's bad it's but i've, I've enjoyed it I, i've got little projects going on right now right now i'm working on um sort of recreating um the entrance to the impossible layer from ukulele in the impossible layer um, in my town. So that's been a big project I've been piecing together today. That's awesome. Very creative. Yeah, yeah, I, I like what it lets you get away with. It, it, it's still limited, but compared to, like, you know, say the original Animal Crossing or any of the past ones, it, it's opened up a lot. It's good. I, I love asking people, you know, uh, their 
approach to playing Animal Crossing because everyone does things completely differently. Uh, I'm taking my time with it. I only play like about a 45 minutes per day, but mm-hmm. you know, Josh over here <laughs> seems to be going pretty hard on it. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually get my, my basement that was the last room you get. Um, I don't know, a day or two ago when it, well, maybe a few days ago, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to take, well, hours compared to what I'm getting done. I'm trying to pace myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll slow down anyway. I know it. Once things, I'm, I'm still working, but I'm working from home. But once things get back to normal, that'll that'll slow down. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, for me, of course, Animal Crossing is a big thing. Um, I just enjoy like finding new items to buy, uh, going over to friends' islands and seeing what they have, and. Um, I just just started dipping my toes into terraforming and having some fun with that. So that's been a lot of fun, just kind of uh, tearing out everything. Um, I end up just and I I eat fruit and dig up trees. I there's a feature where you can remove trees, but it's very slow. It's whatever's in front of you, it'll remove it. So I just I just said I'll just eat fruit and dig up trees that way. So I stripped all of my upper area of of trees for the most part and started. uh, kind of expanding the cliffs and uh, just kind of making like a bigger mountain area to work with. And I'm going to start sculpting from there. Um, so right now I've got a pretty, pretty wider scape going on, but still a lot more that I'd like to do. I haven't decided where I'm going to move my museum or my house or anything like that, but um, that's been fun to do. Um, i trying to think what else I've been radical rexing about. Um, Quick funny note on the tree thing. Um, yeah. I found out today you can gift your trees you dig up to other villagers i dug up a cedar tree and just handed it to bob and he accepted it <laughs> awesome good to know i didn't know that <laughs> you can just pull a tree out of your pocket and they'll take it <laughs> i'll take a tree <laughs> um one thing you can do if your money tree does uh pop up in a weird spot you can drop your money in there it'll sprout to the sprout and you can actually relocate that sprout wherever you want so you don't have to have it let it grow there so oh i didn't know that okay that good helps a lot <laughs> If you're trying to, you know, you can have like a grove of money money trees if you wanted. Um. <laughs> Do you guys know what the deal is with money trees? Because I, I know I've planted like close to ninety thousand bells into a hole once, uh-huh. and I think I got like a couple hundred bells out of it. So <laughs> right. I, I think the boost you can put in is ten thousand. If you put in ten thousand, you'll get thirty thousand back. But I think you anything above that in. is a waste. I think it's like a chance, like. Uh, like if you put in more than 10,000, mm-hmm. there's some kind of probability that you'll get that amount back or you'll get, I guess in my case, a few hundred. So uh, it's kind of a gamble. You can work the system. Um, what you do is plant, instead of 10,000, plant 11,000. Um, and then note when that springs up, know what day you planted it. And then when it springs up, see if you get that 30, the 33 for each Instead of the uh, the thirty thousand, hmm. or that you know you get the eleven thousand for each bag, um, and then note that, and then do your next tree, and then note what days you have better chances of getting more money, and then you can put higher amounts in, and you have a chance of getting better. You can kind of play it sure. to figure out what works best for your for your island, like when are the days that your trees are most fr- your trees are most fruitful, um, and you can do uh, nine thousand you know, 99,000 or whatever, um, and make a profit off of that if you if you work it just right. So That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have that much time to pay attention. <laughs> you to can work it if you want to. I, I don't care. I just do, do the stock market with, you know, 
find out who has the best prices and everything and yep. get my money that way. Pretty soon, money's not going to be too much of an issue, um, but yeah. I've still got a lot of customization to do. So, Right. Um, I do have um, neck and neck with uh, Breath of the Wild. I've got 180 hours in Breath of the Wild and 175 in Animal Crossing. Wow. So they're neck and neck. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> I think I'm about... Uh, I'm at 60. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of taking my time with it. But mm-hmm. after this week, when my schedule gets a little less busy, I think I'll put a lot more time into it. Um, other thing that I've been recollecting about, I just brought it up, was my uh, Legend of Zelda play playthrough. So um, I'm playing through it again um, on Master Mode and in VR. So Labo VR is pretty cool. Um, I, I definitely highly recommend playing Breath of the Wild in Labo VR if you get the chance. It is probably the best way to play it, in my opinion. Um I just actually ordered a, uh, it's a sweatproof gaming, has a head strap that you can uh, basically uh, wrap around your <laughs> your lab of VR, and uh, you can just strap it to your head, you don't have to hold it or anything, and uh, that's been really helpful. I've, before I was just playing where I was just laying down flat and playing, getting lost in the world of Breath of the Wild, but I, I strapped these uh, Zelda headphones in and, and just lay down and, and just play, huh. and it just get lost in the world. It's, it's a little fuzzy from... T- like you can't see far off but close it's just fine like it's not that big of a deal and i just get so lost in the game it's a beautiful beautiful game and i did go back in regular mode and face ganon um with the vr headset and my goodness that experience was amazing Um, i think i was tipped off i want to say it was like game explain or nvc or something there's someone there that's like just raving about how awesome VR was in the Ganon fight. So I had to go back and do that. But I'm still playing through Master Mode and having fun. Um, taking a lot of pictures in Master Mode, which is fun. Uh, so that kind of leads us into our topic this week of taking pictures. Here we so, go. Uh, we are well going done. to get into Beyond Good and Evil. So when did Beyond Good and Evil come out? I believe it came out November 2003. Let me see. I've got it right here. Yep, it is November 11, 2003. Yep. <laughs> For PS2, forget it. Xbox, GameCube, all that good stuff. All right. So, um, Chris, you have the best uh, experience with this game. So tell me a little bit, tell our, our listeners what exactly this game is about. A general premise. No, no spoilers necessarily, but... Yeah, I replayed the game recently, and I only got so far to make sure that I didn't accidentally mention anything too spoilery. But um, the game is basically about a a woman named Jade, and she lives on this planet called Hillis. And usually Hillis is a very peaceful, beautiful world that kind of integrates technology and nature together really well. And suddenly this alien invasion happens to her land and it's taking over uh, some of the people there. And it's the, the whole point of the game is to figure out what is really going on. There seems to be something suspicious happening between the government and uh, the alien invasion. So 
you're sent to uh, by a certain group that we'll probably mention later. Uh, well, they're called the Iris Group, and uh, they assign you with this task of taking pictures of um, unique scenes that you encounter during your adventure. And slowly but surely, you kind of piece things together and understand what's really going on. Awesome. Now, I know uh, you have nostalgia for this game. Uh, Josh uh, picked it up recently and played through it on, uh, it was, it was your on your Xbox, is that correct? Yep, HD version of it, yep. Okay. I don't know how terribly expensive it is to try to get a hold of the copy of the game for GameCube, but I'm sure, I imagine not too bad. Uh, last time I checked, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it's you would think so, that it would be like a, a known hidden gem by this time, but it, it still seems to be pretty undiscovered and underappreciated. So I think it would, pr if I had a guess right now, I feel like it would probably be about 15 at, at GameStop, but okay. um, feel free to look into that and check it out. So my uh, my view looking at Beyond Good and Evil is the more recent trailers of Beyond Good and Evil 2 and seeing some of the characters in it. Um, with like There's like the gorilla or the, the chimp type person and um, and there's the, the girl with the afro and everything. And so I, I don't know a whole lot about what's going on, honestly. This has been a game that's always intrigued me. I mean, this is the other... I mean, it was Pokemon Snap, and then you had this this camera game that comes out called Beyond Good and Evil, and I was like, I'm really interested in it, but I just never got around to playing it or, or anything like that. So, um, what is uh, the camera mechanic in this game? Like, what what is it like? I mean, maybe you've played Pokemon Snap and can kind of pull from like the comparisons there, or or how different it can be. Um, even then, like I said, Breath of the Wild has some picture taking in it, and some other, you know, there was the Wind Waker had some picture taking too, but what what does that compare like in the world of photography and video games? Yeah, it's uh, when I was replaying the game, I had realized that it's a lot like Metroid Prime in a way. Uh, you some of it is optional, but some of it does help progress the story. Um, it, there's kind of different categories of things that you would use the camera for. Uh, you would take pictures of uh, creatures that you find throughout the world. You get a notification early on in the game from the, I think it's like the science museum that exists in that world, and they want to document all the different creatures that are in that world. So as you're going on in your adventure and you're in your, uh, your watercraft ship, you'll notice that there's like a whale jumping out next to you. And so part of the game, it's kind of like a mini game within the game, um, you'll try to take a picture of that whale or these other creatures that are existing all around you. Um, but that's more of like a optional part. The main part of the camera is taking pictures of, like I mentioned before, very suspicious, unique scenes uh, that happens in the story. So you'll notice someone acting or doing something suspicious and you'll take a picture and you'll send it to the iris network which is the kind of spy group that's mm -hmm. looking to uncover this mystery and they'll help you um progress in the story okay yeah so it's it's a little less i mean is it kind of like like private investigator ish yeah, kind of. You're you're trying to do it discreetly, not that you get punished if if you don't. But um, yeah, it, you're you kind of feel like a secret agent trying to figure out what's really going on with these aliens. So yeah. 
Okay, now is this a solitary experience? Like Samus is alone by herself for most of the games. No. Uh, now is this something that you're actually working with a, a cast and crew uh, pretty regularly, other than just working with sending your photos to somebody? So what what is the cast like, Josh? Um, so uh, uh, this is kind of one of those areas where I don't want to say too much because of spoilers, <laughs> but um, usually you only have like one partner with you. Um, there, there's a couple characters that will join you during the story and um they'll they'll follow you around and um i just played this a couple months ago and i'm having some trouble remembering all of what they do honestly but they do help you uh, solve a few puzzles um sometimes as simple as something as like if if there's two switches think of like a zelda puzzle and you know somebody needs or both of them need held down at the same time you know the other character can go and do that now if i remember correctly there is a little bit of time where you are by yourself but it never feels near as solitary as something like metroid does because mm-hmm. um, you're always either someone's with you or you're talking to somebody um you know over that communicator or whatever it is um so now i, I wouldn't say i wouldn't really compare it so much to metroid um yeah, I'd like to add to that. Uh, I think part of the game that's really important and kind of gives the game its identity is the interactions that you have with the other characters in the world. Um, something that I noticed while I was playing it is that it reminds me a lot of Star Wars and how diverse the characters are. You, and you might have seen this in the trailer, you'll, you'll notice that there's uh, human characters and, or there are pig humanoid characters mm-hmm. uh, or a, a walrus character. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of diversity and that really gives some personality into the, into the conversations and interactions that you have with them. Um, there's She's not in the trailer, but Jade is the main character. And she has a mentor named Paige, who is a, a pig creature, uh, a pig humanoid creature. And they have this really strong bond. And you you notice when you do these puzzles together in dungeons that part of their bond helps you get through these puzzles. Hmm. So it's a really interesting element that they added into the game. Okay. Is it is there a relationship mechanic to it? Like the more people you talk to, the better you develop a relationship with them? Or is that more just, it's more linear with, with that? Um, it's not, there's no progression with the relationships. Um, a lot of it is optional if you want to find out more details of, uh, certain characters' relationships with each other. But, you know, for the story, you do kind of pick up on certain cues that show that, uh, for example, Paige and Jade really care about each other. And during their story sequences, that really comes out. But, uh, if you want to get some details, the option for it is is available, but it's not totally necessary. So is there a lot of stuff that you could dig into and unlock in this game then? You said there's a lot of optional stuff. Now, is there a lot of unlockables or a lot of like things you can go for? No, not really. Um, mm-hmm. From what I remember, I didn't get too far during this uh, second playthrough, but from what I understand, I guess the taking pictures of creatures, that's optional. Um, it does really help you in the game, and, and it's very advisable to do so, but uh, you don't have to get all the animals and creatures, and some of them are pretty easy to miss, so that is kind of reason enough to go back and replay the game. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of it is pretty optional. One thing with a lot of the optional things, such as like the taking the pictures of the creatures and things like that, if you if you take a certain amount of them, you'll get. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact name of everything, but you'll get like an orb that basically pearl. you can use for yeah, pearl that you can use for to uh, to buy certain things out of the the store, like a different parts to your ship and things like that. So while a lot of this stuff is optional, it does um, somewhat like he was saying there, it does usually help you in the, in the main game, so to speak. Um, right. And it also each, each different creature, like the more rare ones will give you a little bit more currency, so to speak. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all kinds of optional things, but at the same time, it, it all builds towards the big picture. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, so you got a chance to experience the game in a HD uh, port, basically, and, and upscale. Um, Josh, what did you think about the controls? Did those feel like a GameCube still, or was it something that they... like? W- could you imagine yourself playing a GameCube controller the same way as you did your Xbox controller? Or is there something like different to that change, would you say? Uh, I, I would say for the most part, r- really like the, the HD version of it in particular felt without have playing it on the original consoles it was released on it felt like something from that time period but it was still maybe just where i'm i'm 30 and i grew up during all of that like i lived <laughs> through it but it, it didn't feel super aged to the point where it was a problem you know what i mean um so yeah i mean it, it felt like a gamecube era type of game but i don't know if that's really a necessarily all that much of a bad thing um I, th- I think things like controls especially moving around in a 3d space for the most part um had gotten pretty polished by that point in time um and i never really ran into any major issues with it there's a lot of things to do in this game um like you know we've been saying like taking pictures so you got to move the camera around you got to walk you gotta there's a lot of stealth involved um but i nothing really sticks out at being annoying or feeling over you know too aged or anything to to be difficult to pick up nowadays i don't think yeah it does play a lot like a lot of the 3d games 3d action adventure games that were out at the time um a lot of people might be familiar with Star Fox adventures and yeah. i saw a lot of similarities in gameplay uh, to that game and also Everyone already knows this, but Star Fox Adventures plays a lot like a Zelda game. So Beyond Good and Evil definitely plays a lot like a a 3D Zelda game from that time, such as Ocarina of Time or Wind Waker. Um, But like Josh mentioned, there's a lot of different gameplay elements that they've incorporated into the game. Um, It's not just like a 3D Zelda, but sometimes there's a racing uh, mini game. Sometimes there is an arcade uh, mini game. When you go into this bar within the city, there's this totally optional, uh, it's kind of like an air hockey game that you can play. And it's actually really fun. And there's other, uh, other categories of gameplay that you'll notice throughout the game that are, uh, they really, uh, they add a lot of variety to the game, but they're actually done really well too. So it's kind of hard to categorize Beyond Good and Evil into just one simple genre. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's got a lot of variety to it. I'm curious about what uh, the developers thought about this game, like what the development process was like, um, where they put in all these different like mini games and like kind of a potpourri of things that you can do in the game. 
Um, it's, it's very interesting to hear that there's some diversity to it. Now, this is a camera game, but really, what was the camera like? <laughs> Oof. Well, not not the best, but it's very doable. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you can agree, but um, while it wasn't the best, it wasn't that much of a nuisance. I didn't mind, but then again, you and I might be really used to playing around with a 3D camera. Right. No, I, I didn't find it too difficult or anything. I mean, if I'm, I'm trying to think of anything I could even compare it to. Um, I'll almost think of, I don't know, Ocarina of Time or something, and then going into first-person view and just being able to look around and, and maybe zoom in and a couple extra features like that. But mm -hmm. it wasn't anything overly complicated, and I, I don't feel like, like we've uh, he mentioned a bit ago, there's all these different genres involved, but I don't feel like any of them uh, hurt any of the other aspects of it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So it didn't like mess up the flow of things necessarily. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I could really categorize it best into any genre um, because everything just sort of, I feel like flowed together real cohesively uh, that, the, you know, taking pictures, the vehicle, um, you know, races and things like that, uh, the stealth, all of it just sort of just flowed with the game. Um, and nothing really sticks out as controlling really poorly or, you know, I didn't get frustrated when I'd be like, oh, it's another stealth section or something like that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that, uh, well, some people might know this already, but Beyond Good and Evil was developed by, uh, I believe his name's Michelle Ancel, who is the creator of Rayman. Yeah. And the Rayman games, while they are pri primarily platform games, they also have a lot of uh, variety within their levels. So mm -hmm. uh, you can see that kind of translate into this type of game. And uh, you'll also notice that this universe was really well thought out. They thought of every single element of this universe, where what they do in their free time, uh, where, what the kind of music that they listen to, and the, their their attitudes about certain things, uh, such as the government or uh, other people within the town. So it's a very fleshed out universe that they thought very long and hard about, and that also translates to the gameplay as well. You, you could tell that they wanted this to be a complete experience unlike anything else you've experienced before. And uh, it reminded me of Avatar at the time. So you guys are painting a very good picture of why this became a cult classic and why it's revered by many to be such a great game and why people got really excited when the second one was announced because it sounds like they've put a lot of care and love into this game. Um, now, what was it like uh, playing... like? on a controller uh, in the GameCube? Like, how did they map the buttons? Did they use the D-pad? Did they use the C-stick? Um, was it just mainly the, the main buttons you press? Uh, did you use shoulder, shoulder buttons and everything? Like, what was that like? Uh, I believe, I mean, it's a lot like uh, Wind Waker. Um, you just move around with the joystick. A is, I guess, like an action button. Uh, if you're close to something that you can pick up or use, then there's an action for that. Um, you cannot jump, though. Uh, a lot like Zelda, so I was not used to that at the time. Um, I used to love Banjo-Kazooie and just like hopping mm -hmm. around, but that is not present here. And uh, otherwise, the other buttons are more for like activating an item or um, doing something for a puzzle or fighting rather, so yeah. Okay, so there was combat in this game. It's not just pictures, picture taking, would you say? No, yeah. yeah. 
it's very simple combat though so don't expect anything too crazy it's it's just button mashing pretty much okay is I, it I, melee or is it like actual like weapon like guns and stuff or yeah it's the same thing as Star Fox adventures honestly i was getting ready to say that yeah it's almost like <laughs> to me it almost feels maybe a step better than Star Fox adventures combat yeah, um because go ahead uh, it's it. I don't know if it's more complex or not. Uh, I, I guess it could be, but um, it's they kind of give you the illusion that you are doing these really fancy, complex fighting <laughs> sequences, but you're really just pressing A and Y and alternating between them. But uh, there is a moment every once in a while where the action slows down, and there's this slow motion sequence where you can aim an enemy at a certain target. So that's pretty fun and spices it up, but I didn't care too much for those, to be honest. So is this setting, um, you say it's, it's it's on another planet and there's an, an invasion coming in. Um, what is this world like? Is it utopian? Is it is it like um, very much like rundown? Um, is anarchy like the main government? Like what what is the, is it, or is this at a time where everything's unseated because of the alien invasion they are trying to rule things? Well, it it was a seemingly a utopia that turned quickly into a dystopia once this invasion happened. Uh, you like we've mentioned before, there's a lot of diversity and lots of different people just kind of living their lives, and this gets completely interrupted um, as this happens. And it seems as though the government was perfectly sound and no one really had any problems with the government but once this happened that's when issues with the government started to arise and people started to question things so uh yeah i guess it was a utopia that quickly turned into a dystopia it, it's very it's tropical too <laughs> um just to throw another word in there it's um it's hard to, I, I always try to make whoops sorry about that can you hear me mm -hmm. might have to edit that part <laughs> Um, anyway, um, so yeah, the world is is pretty tropical as well. Um, it is. Uh, I, I always like to try to make a comparison to with a game like this, since I know not a whole lot of people had played it. But um, I, I have I struggle actually compared to much of anything. Um, it you know it sounds like a real dystopian kind of futury game, but it's 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 got its dark moments for sure. It's it's got some deep theming and things like that, but it's it's also kind of bright and cheerful parts. Um, it's got a lot of personality to it that um, I'm hoping, I don't want to go too off track here, but I'm hoping the sequel gets it right because I, I almost feel like looking at it, I don't even feel like it describes what the feeling of this game is real well. It almost looks more like that sort of uh, post-apocalyptic kind of game that you'd expect for this, this original one I feel like is very unique. Yeah, something that a lot of people might notice once once they start playing it is the color green is pretty much everywhere. <laughs> I was thinking that, but I didn't even know how to say it correctly. Yeah, right. he's right. So, I mean, the you can even see that in the character, the main character herself. Her name is Jade, and yeah. everything around you is the color jade or emerald and green. So it's it kind of adds to the tone of the game. You'll notice that it's very mysterious and uh, natural. So it kind of ties those themes together. But um, yeah. 
I would even say some of it's sort of campy, so to speak, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, especially at first, because I, I just it's unlike anything, like I said, I can really compare it to. So it was, it was almost a little cheesy at parts at first, but I, I feel like the more you play it, the more you get used to it, the more I. It's right. kind of a. Um, it definitely has its own personality. Yeah, I, I would kind of categorize the world as being kind of whimsical, and uh, it's it it's a game that has more mature themes than a child's game, but yeah. at the same time, it does have this wonder, you know, this Alice in Wonderland type feel where everything's just very whimsical and playful and and colorful and happy, but. You know, there's this really intense situation going on too, so it's it's a good mix of those two things. But I would also kind of compare the graphics to, or at least the character models to Luigi's Mansion Two and Three, where it's these kind of exaggerated, almost caricature-like uh, designs. Hmm. So hopefully that yeah that helps some that. people. Yeah. Now. But, Looking forward to the new trailer and everything. Um, I noticed that Beyond Good and Evil was teen rated. Um, was there a lot of language and stuff? I, I noticed that there was some language in the trailer for the new game, the second no. one that's coming out and stuff. So yes, there was. <laughs> well, see, I feel like there was. Um, I mean, again, I just I just recently played through this. I did beat it and everything. But I, I, that's one thing. And I'm sorry. I guess I'm you know being a Christian and everything, this stuff does stick out to me a little bit, but in the, in the first game, I, I don't remember hearing the F bomb at all, no, <laughs> but definitely. I know in, in the two trailer, like it's, it's right there in the trailer. And that was kind of, I, I know some people will laugh at me for this, but that kind of disappointed me. <laughs> I was really surprised by that. Um, I personally, I don't care about cursing or vulgar language or anything like that, but I was very surprised and shocked that they included that uh, because it just doesn't really go with the tone of the original Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. There yeah. really isn't language like that at all, and they kind of like substitute typical curse words with other things that are more appropriate that you would kind of find to be more appropriate for that world. So it's yeah. pretty shocking to see that. I, I don't want it to lose that that original feel, and you know maybe that's outside of my own convictions or whatever. Trust me, I'm far from perfect, but um, but uh, yeah, I just I don't want it to lose. It's one of those things that I feel like goes towards it losing that identity it has. That's a little more unique. Um, mm -hmm. I know that sounds goofy over a little word, but it's just something that stuck out to me. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of. Like, uh, if Star Wars were to just start use cursing, like, I guess you could do that, but it's it kind of takes necessary. me away from it. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of unnecessary, kind of takes away from the identity that I have in my mind whenever I think of it. So, yeah, I was, I was really surprised by that, but anything could change, so maybe they'll change their mind when the game comes out. I kind of hope they do. Um, now, I... I... It's kind of in a weird position because this is a GameCube game and we're, we don't get too heavily into spoilers. Um, we don't want to do that necessarily because, you know, especially with the sequel coming out, like a lot of people may not have played the first one before. So it's kind of sitting in that point where it's not like really necessarily a dead game per se, as far as nostalgia goes. Um, so we're not going to give too many spoilers away, but it does seem like there's some continued conflict in the second one. Um, did did they leave off on a cliffhanger in the first game, or was was were things resolved, or was it kind of like a big mystery, like what the heck just happened? Both. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> without giving too much away it's it seemed as though the situation was resolved but they left a little bit of a cliffhanger but uh, I don't know if the sequel's even going to address that cliffhanger. So it's a prequel, isn't it? Uh, I, it that's what I was wondering. I was about to look into that, but um, I I could see that because you don't see Jade in the trailer anywhere. So and and so Paige, what, the pig seems to be younger, but that could just be me thinking that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I caught that too. So that I'm a little bit concerned about that because something that happens at the end, like dag on it, because I already went in knowing like the two is supposed to be a prequel from what I understand anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, there's something there that is can just completely not resolved at all. And they just drop you on that. I think it, it kind of makes sense though, if they do make it a prequel, because from what I understand, this game didn't really sell too well. So in order to bring in a new audience, it might be better for them to kind of go back to this origin story that they have in mind and kind of flesh things out um once they're able to get that audience so um i i guess i can't really blame them for making it a prequel if that ends up happening one thing i did recently learn actually on the development of the first game and I, I, it makes me wonder if they're going to go that more direction with two is uh, i know they're wanting to make it more of like an open world kind of deal where like you could like the ship near the end of the game that you use like once was supposed to be a bigger part of the game and you were supposed to be able to fly to different planets um from from the way i understood it it almost the way i've i've heard it talked about it almost sounded like how starlink functions how you can just kind of seamlessly fly to different planets yeah um, except it seems to be much more ambitious than than starlink and starlink right. was really impressive so i yeah. i wanted to make sure that to say that the tech demo that was shown off for Beyond Good and Evil at E3 or whenever that was, was mm -hmm. by far the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life uh, <laughs> concerning video games. That was really impressive what they were able to do. Hmm. So I hope that they put a lot of the character in the new game uh, that they had in the old game uh, to back not just like pretty graphics and and uh, flashy language and, and what have you, um, I hope it's not just eye candy, and they they miss the point of what made the original so special. Uh, but I, it sounds like they're taking their time on this one. Like we haven't heard anything since that reveal, really. And I mean, maybe yeah. they've drip fed in, in one of their Twitter feeds or something. But I don't know uh, much beyond what I've seen in those big reveal trailers. And then of course they have the tech demo and what have you. So. Um, I do know that Michelle Ancel is very passionate about this universe and this franchise, so I, I'm not too worried about it. He seems to know what he's doing with all the games that he is attached to, so it'll be interesting to see, like, A, if it ever comes out, and B, what it ends up being like once it is. Okay. Um, now, you say it left with a slight... A slight uh, cliffhanger. So we already know there's going to be a, I mean, presumably a, a prequel game. Um, it may touch on some future stuff too. Who knows? Um, but um, what do you see like the series evolving and becoming? Like, what do you think that this would could go, or what do you think it could branch out aside from just being like what what we've seen in the trailer, the second one? Like, what would you imagine um, this to evolve into? Like, if you were to expand the game to today and make your own with all the picture-taking and stuff, what does that look like? Uh, I'll start with you, Josh. What do you think? 
Um, I, I think, first of all, it depends on this prequel, how well it does. Well, if I'm calling it a prequel as far as I'm aware it is. But uh, if, if 2 does well, I, I don't think they could just go straight to a sequel to the original after that because new players would not know what's going on. It would be like they're skipping part of the chapter. So I almost feel like I don't know if that will ever truly get resolved, honestly. Because um, I almost feel like if they continue from there, they may just do another one after the prequel before the original game if that makes sense um it, it what i'm a little bit afraid of and it i mean it may be great so don't get me wrong but uh is that it's just going to take a completely new direction with this you know with the second game and they're just going to keep that this new tone and this new direction for it um which again it sounds like it could be great it you know my concerns i guess i already talked about but um, I, I honestly feel like the first one, I don't know if we're going to see anything quite like that again, even out of, mm-hmm. out of this series. Now it is, yes, it is a, uh, prequel. Um, it is set after the birth of Jay, but before the first game. Um, so that kind of leaves it a little like open. I don't know what age Jade is in the game. Um, maybe they mention it. I don't know. Um, but um, she seems so, to be like in her twenties to maybe thirties, so she's an adult, but she doesn't seem too old. Okay. So, uh, where do you see this series going, or how did you see some things like evolving for it? Uh, I'm I'm really shocked, as I mentioned, about the direction that they're taking with the sequel, but I think that they told the story that they wanted to tell with the original. And so I think they understand that the universe that they created is so fleshed out and so fully realized that they want to take it and try something completely new. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to think of a series that does something that's done something similar. And I hate to bring up nuts and bolts, (laughs) (laughs) nuts and bolts, but, um, you know, obviously I do hope it is uh, much better than how that turned out, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think they just want to try something new because they they did everything they could with the original. Um, maybe they don't think that a, just another uh, story would do a game justice and they just want to be a little ambitious. So um, I guess they'll just feel it out. Um, I, they'll probably just see how the uh, prequel or sequel, whatever it ends up being, is received and kind of take it from there. Michelle Ancel makes all these different crazy games, so uh, who knows what direction he'll take with that after, and probably he doesn't even know either. He just kind of goes with the flow. To be fair, he does. He has done a lot of good work, so I'm not super worried about it being just a complete bomb or anything. I just, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not completely sure how I feel about the new feel, or the, the new look of it, the new um theming i guess of it so to speak but again we haven't really seen much of it in a couple of years either so who knows yeah yeah um i do remember that the that there was some leaks about a, a sequel to beyond good and evil and that happened in around 2008 and there was like a leaked video i don't know if you guys ever saw this Mm-mm. where it's it was kind of like off camera footage yeah it showed like Jade running through the streets, um, being chased by someone. So that seems like it kind of got canceled or canned for some reason. And they kind of went with this new ambitious, uh, crazy universe idea. Um, so it seems that they did have in mind a true sequel, 
but um, we'll see what becomes of that. And who knows, we may get the sequel, and then down the road, we'll see this game completely reimagined, like Final Fantasy VII Remake is, is getting reimagined, so we might see some some of that, that happen when we actually get the game uh, in a new form. Yeah. Um, but I never thought we'd see a, a sequel to Rayman after three. And so many years <laughs> yeah. passed by when we didn't hear anything about that, and then we were introduced to Origins, which is not what any of us had in mind, but still turned out pretty great. So you never know. Sometimes things turn out to be crazy, but really awesome. So the future is going to be good, I think. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, our coverage of the game. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media and, and everything, Chris? Uh, I'm just on Facebook, so if you want to look up Chris Warren, feel free. Um, but that's all I have. I don't have a Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. But cool. um, yeah. Cool, cool. Of course, my biggest uh, gaming presence, so to speak, would be on Twitter with at Whopper Seven Four Four Games, like the uh, burger from Burger King. <laughs> um, you can always find me on uh, Metroid Hunter uh, on Twitter or Metroid Hunter One Hundred One everywhere else. So. I do some Twitch streaming and stuff, so yeah, feel free to add me and you know join in the fun. Cool. All right, well, guys, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we love that you come back each week and and uh, you know give us a listen ear and uh, hear what we have to say. And we, we love our fans and thank you so much, everybody. Uh, you can find us on uh, the NintendoVillage.com/slash Nintendo Nostalgia. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. You can find us on Facebook at Nintendo NOS, on our Twitter at Nintendo underscore NOS. You can find us on Instagram at Nintendo NOSIN. Shoot us an email at NintendoNostalgiaIN at gmail.com. And you can always call us on our Nostalgia Hotline and share the memories and love you have for the show at 317-969-5690. Guys, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next week. Later, Preston. Bye-bye. See ya.